past uh, 11 uh, on New Year's Day and time for us to preview the New Year's sport. Uh, as ever, uh, happy to welcome uh, Danny Hicks uh, back onto the show. Danny, how are you? Happy New Year. I'm good. Happy New Year. Yeah, a little bit bleary-eyed, a bit of a late one, like <laughs> many people last night, with a family just at home. Yeah. yeah. Go anywhere like everyone else because everywhere's shut. But uh, Good chance no. to spend some time with the family, though, isn't it? So. Yeah, and uh, unusually, my wife, because she works in uh, the hospitality industry, mm. um, was actually home by midnight, which, which has never normally happened. So we had a we had a bit of a different different New Year's Eve, which was rather nice. And yeah, uh, yeah but unfortunately, woke up to the the sad news this morning that uh, uh, one of football's great managers and and characters, Tommy Doherty, former Manchester United and, and Scotland manager, among many clubs, Chelsea as well. I mean, the original the original man who had more clubs than Jack Nicholas. I think mm. he was the first one who coined the phrase. He was such a great wit as well. Tommy Doherty has died at oh, the age no. of 92, the grand old age of 92, born in 1928. Which Wow. Good innings he had. Yeah. yeah. And he was a fantastic character. I was, I was lucky enough to, um, to do a couple of sportsmen's dinners with him back in the day, in my, my, my days in the UK in the, in the nineties. And I did one where I was, I was the host in it because I was the, 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 the Bournemouth Echo uh, sports editor at the time we mm. did this dinner and it was George Best, Paddy Crear and, and, and Tommy Doherty uh, and I was lucky enough to sit on the top table with him but I sat next to Tommy and uh, it was just a lovely, lovely evening. I mean, he get, got up and did his usual usual fantastic after-dinner speech um, as did George Best and Paddy Crear but sitting next to him just chatting away to him all night and he was just a, telling me about his family and his daughter, immensely proud family man. We were just talking about families and and he was telling me all about his daughters and sons. I think he had about six kids, uh, four from his first marriage, two from his second to, to Mary Brown, who uh, he, he who remained with him the rest of his life. And uh, I think it was his daughter, Lucy, had just gone to university and he was telling me all about her and how proud he was as a father and saying, you know, it's all, all you can do as a, as a parent is try and give your kids the best start in life. And uh, and talk with such fondness and generosity about his children. We, I totally forgot he was a you know this legendary football manager that right. I'd I'd looked up to when I when I was a kid growing up. But it was just just a pleasure to be in his, in his company. You know he 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 was a he was a player with Scotland. Uh, played in the 1954 World Cup and was was part of the, the 1958 World Cup squad as well. Um, managed first managed Chelsea in 1961 and 67. Took them to cup final. Took them relegation and back up again, which he did then with Manchester United when he took over in in 72. He, he, they were relegated in 74. What what manager would get that privilege now of of saying I'll bring them straight back up and being allowed to stay in the job when the team gets relegated, especially club of the stature of Manchester United. Remember, this was just six years after they'd won the European Cup. Uh, he took over from Franco Farrell, who was Scotland manager at the time. He said his only regret really was that he didn't stay with Scotland and take them to the 74 World Cup. They'd already mm. qualified. He, ostensibly, he, he was honest enough to admit he went to Manchester United really for the money. Um, they, they offered him good money and uh, he couldn't turn it down. And uh, so he got relegated with them, brought them back up, took them to the cup final, which they lost in 76 to Southampton, who were then second division, big shock. But he said, we'll win it next year. And he did. And they beat Liverpool, the favourites. Liverpool that year were on for a treble. They won the European Cup. They won the league. And Manchester United under Tommy Doherty denied them famously a treble with a 2-1 win. Lou Macari, another Scott, uh, scoring the winning goal um, at Wembley. 
a fantastic man, and he just his after dinner speeches were legendary. If he if he hadn't been a footballer or a football manager, I'm sure he would have been a stand up comedian. The 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 wit and wisdom of him was. He had an incredible repertoire of one liners. I'll never forget every every sportsman's dinner. His his speech always started the same. He'd stand up with a with a big glass of wine, and his his uh, as he got older in years, like most of us, his belly got bigger, and it was sort of spilling over his his waistband, and his his shirt would you know straining at the buttons and he'd stand there with a big glass of wine and he'd look out over the audience he'd go my fellow athletes <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it always brought the house down uh, well, uh he, well. talked, he used to talk about how he you know he had one one game for scotland he was i think it was a seven nil defeat at uruguay and he was asked to mark a, a big six foot three striker a man mark him they got in at mm. half time and they were four nil down and he scored three goals and the manager said to him what what happened? I told you the man Mark him. He said, well, every time I got near him, people were shaking his hands and patting him on the back. So five years at Man United, right? And yeah. was, that, was that his the peak of his career, would you say, between 72 and 77? Yeah, I think so. And it, when he really showed what a, what a masterful manager he was. But even with Chelsea, 61 and 67, let's say he, mm. he, he got rid of the old guard and he stuck with players such as... Uh, Ron Harris, and, and he made household names of people like Peter Bonetti and Ron Harris and, and, and laid the foundation for the team that then went on to win the Cup Winners' Cup and the, and the, and the FA Cup in 1970. Uh, he laid the foundation for that team and he really laid the foundation of Man United for its, its great revival. You know, it went into the doldrums after the European Cup wins, really, and mm, then mm. he set them back on their way and... Uh, uh, had a tremendous footballing brain. I mean, he had so many. I mean, he had a spell at Chelsea. He had, I, I'm not sure if it's two or three spells as manager of QPR because one of those spells he was sacked, and but then he was back in charge nine days later. So I don't know whether you count that as two or two spells or one, but he certainly was there twice. He he, he managed in Australia, sure. Melbourne, Sydney a couple of times, uh, Portugal with Porto. Um, he. he he even managed like Rotherham. He promised the chairman when he went to Rotherham uh, that he would take them out of the second division and he took them into the third division and the chairman sacked him and said, you're a man of your word, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, things like that. Now, talking, uh, talking yeah. of Man United, I mean, Man United is uh, is number two in the table at the moment, uh, behind, yes. behind Liverpool in the Premier League, aren't they? And uh, they play tonight and mm. they can go joint top. They're three points behind Liverpool with a game in hand. Liverpool have had a couple of stutters a couple of draws since they beat Spurs just before Christmas to sort of open up a gap and uh yeah Man United uh I mean how fitting a tribute would that be to, to Tommy Duckett I'm sure they'll do something to mark his passing before the game uh and if they could go joint top with Liverpool the team as I said he he beat in the cup final against the odds all those years ago it would be be rather fitting. Liverpool don't play till Monday night, so Manchester United play Villa tonight. But mm. Villa are no pushovers at the moment. In fifth, they've got a couple of games in hand on everyone, and uh, you know they they they've drawn with Chelsea. They've drawn with Chelsea. They've they've turned over. Let's not forget they beat Liverpool seven two earlier in the season. There with with and Jack Grealish is going great guns. So Villa and nobody's pushover at the moment. So that's not that's not a gimme for Man United at home tonight. Before that we got Everton against West Ham. Uh I just say the final word on on Tommy Doherty. I say he lived to ninety two and a couple of years ago he was, he was still as sharp as a tack he was interviewed and he he said if I'd known I'd lived this long I would have looked after myself a bit better. 
<laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, with that, he, he lived to be 92. So hmm. rest in peace, Tommy. And thanks for your company and, and entertainment down the years and, and the great football uh, you, you provided because they really were a, a formidable attacking force. He, he, he recruited Man United in the 70s, players like Gordon Hill from Millwall and Steve Coppel, sure. flying wingers who... Uh, real entertainer Stuart Pearson up front. Uh, everybody will remember that side. So uh, rest in peace, Tommy. But the rest of the weekend, let's say we've got Man United, Aston Villa tonight and uh, some interesting games over the weekend as well. If they're on with COVID, we've had a couple of games put, postponed this week because of COVID. Tottenham Fulham was postponed because a lot of the Fulham squad uh, tested positive for COVID. And earlier in the week, uh, Man City, uh, Chelsea, uh, Man City's game's not Chelsea, they're playing Chelsea this weekend, but Man City's game was off um, because of COVID tests as well. And we, at the moment, they're saying their game will go ahead with Chelsea on, on Sunday, mm. uh, but it remains to be seen. And Fulham's game at Burnley at the moment on Sunday is going ahead. But um, there have been calls from some managers, Sam Allardyce and others, to, to you know, suspend fixtures for a couple of weeks to, to try and get on top of these COVID infections. They have had a few at uh, West Brom as well and um, you know what a topsy-turvy week for West Brom they drew at bottom of the, down, down the, near the bottom of the table they drew with Liverpool didn't they and then lost 5-0 at home to Leeds so I mean bizarre and then Leeds will go to Tottenham tomorrow um, anything could happen in that game the way Leeds are playing they could win 5-0 they could lose 5-0 and Tottenham you, know, you don't think Tottenham can see five goals at the moment but they they are on a bit of a stuttery spell and maybe that Fulham game being postponed midweek, just give them a couple of days extra extra rest. It might rejuvenate them a bit because they have slipped down the table to seventh, although only with a game in hand now and only seven points behind Liverpool at the top. So it's very, very tight there at the top. We talked about how tight it was last week. Mm. Um, but I think, that you know, if it's on, the game of the weekend probably is the Chelsea-Man City game uh, on Sunday. Unfortunately, it's a, it's, a, it's a midnight 30 job for us. Uh, if you're still up at that time, uh, I've got to go back to work Monday, so I probably won't be go back to the day job. But uh, <laughs> like most people, but uh, Tottenham Leeds tomorrow uh, is probably the highlight of tomorrow, and that's a, a much more favourable mm. eight thirty p.m. for us. That's the lunchtime kickoff, and then we get into the cup next week, uh, FA Cup third round next weekend. Always a great weekend. Tottenham will play Little Old Marine. They go to Marine. I don't even know where Marine is. Does anyone know where that Marine? is? Marine? Where, where are they? Marine. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're apparently the lowest ranked non-league club still in the competition and they get the privilege of playing Tottenham. Um, perhaps you could just Google it for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm Marine. just having a look. It looks like they're based in Crosby in, uh, in Merseyside, actually. Mm. Yeah, Liverpool, well, another Liverpool Merseyside club, yeah. Great for them uh, next week, and uh, before that, Tottenham have got a. I've never heard. Of, I've, never, I've never heard of Crosby. <laughs> Crosby. No. Um, big... uh, Mar- sorry, I've never heard of Marine. I mean, uh, interesting. <laughs> I've heard of I've heard of Crosby. Uh, he sang White Christmas, didn't he? Yeah. Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and uh, yeah, the League Cup semi-finals midweek. We've got the Manchester derby midweek uh, right. on Wednesday. Manchester City against Manchester United League Cup semi-final. And the other semi-finals on Tuesday is Tottenham against Brentford. Good old Brentford, uh, West London club, uh, in their first ever major cup semi-final. So fingers fingers crossed 
for us Tottenham fans, they don't make their first ever final. But uh, great to see him doing so well. A little bees there from West London. Always in the sort of shadow of their West London neighbours, Chelsea and QPR and teams like that. But uh, hmm. not at the moment. And uh, very nearly got promotion to the Premier League for the first time at the end of last season as well. So they're going great guns. But uh, before that, like I say, we've got a good Premier League programme this weekend. I'd say tonight, Man United v Villa. Tomorrow, Tottenham v Leeds and Sunday, Chelsea v Man City, Liverpool play Southampton on Monday. Um, but just before I sort of sign off for this New Year's Day, I just thought we'd, we'd look ahead to some of the yeah. events we, we hope we'll see in 2021, not least. Hope, is, hope the is the word, Games. isn't it? Hope is the word. Yeah, um, the Olympic Games, which of course we should have had last July, uh, now scheduled to start on 23rd of July this year. Um, but overnight, I'm reading... Tokyo had a record number of COVID cases overnight, 1,337 just in Tokyo alone and 4,000-odd in Japan as a whole yesterday, new COVID cases. They've shut the borders to all non-foreigners till the end of January. Um, we're just 200 days from the rescheduled Olympics. I mean, the Tokyo organisers talk a good game. They say it will go ahead, come what may, vaccine, no vaccine, spectators, no spectators, whatever. They've already... The budget is ridiculous it's something like it's it's ballooned to something like 15 billion dollars us dollars the cost of the game so far has been additional costs obviously because venues have had hotel bookings and so on and things have had the staff have had to be kept on for an extra year i don't think they can go past this year if if it's postponed again i think that will be a cancellation rather than a postponement so who, who, who's paying for that is, is tokyo paying for that who, who's paying for that well, I mean, it's sponsors. It's it's a combination, isn't it? You you've got the big sponsors, the Coca Colas and the so ons, uh, and and you've got the the yeah the Tokyo pay for that. But mm. the whole thing is that you know the Olympics is supposed to generate a, a legacy and will create you know facilities for years to come. As we saw with London, which is basically London is about the only games that that has broken even in the in recent years because they made back with the use of the London Stadium, leasing it out to West Ham and so on. And the multi-use uh, facilities have, have actually made money since. And the and things like the Olympic Village, they sell the, they, they build an Olympic Village and basically they're apartment blocks, which we all, the, the media, the, the athletes and so on, live in for a few weeks around the Olympics. And then afterwards, they're, refer, they're, they're packaged out and they're sold as, as real estate. So money is made back that way. And of course, ticket sales, but ticket sales, who knows if there's going to be any? I mean, uh, a lot of tickets have been returned and refunded. About 20, 25% of tickets have sold domestically. J Japanese people have asked to uh, have refunded already. And there, there seems to be a, a sort of waning appetite for the Olympics in Japan itself, which is the thing that worries me in that the Japanese public really, with everything that's going on with COVID, they've They've got to a stage where a majority of them, whenever they're surveyed, say we don't want the Olympics, we just want it cancelled now, mm. um, which mm. is a bit worrying. It is but worrying. Things... I haven't, I haven't returned my tickets yet. I've got uh, tickets for the women's rugby final, and uh, oh great, <laughs> we should be So I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, uh... Pretty disappointed when I couldn't go. So. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Um, and it, that, that's a great competition, of course. Rugby made its, made its return to the Olympics at, at Rio. And uh, obviously, we're hoping that Hong Kong might get there um, still. There's still qualifiers to be, to be settled because we had no Rugby Sevens series last year, or very little of it. Um, talking of Rugby Sevens, you know, we're not going to see that in Hong Kong until we didn't have the Sevens last year. 
which was a real disappointment for all of us. We loved that. We love bringing you the sevens on on RTHK every year. Um, that's going to be in November, we hope. But you know, that's that's got to have crowds, isn't it? What's well, the sevens without crowd? It isn't anything without crowds. So, to me, if if, if we're not yeah, hopefully by November we're so far down the line with vaccines and suppress the virus and so on that, that it can be held. But without crowds, it would, mm. or even even half capacity crowds, it would, it just wouldn't be the same. I mean, it's a party. Let's face it, it's a party with a bit of rugby going on normally, and uh, that's the way it should be. Also, the Hong Kong Open Golf, we haven't had that in twenty. Uh, we had it in twenty twenty in January, postponed from twenty nineteen because of the protests. But we haven't had the twenty twenty edition at all um and it's not on the calendar this year in fact there are no golf events on the asian tour listed yet mm. the asian tour has mm. yet to restart since of all the major golf tours the asian tour is the one that has not restarted since the shutdown there hasn't been a tournament in asia on the asian tour since march and i don't see where we're going to have a hong kong open maybe in november december uh, at the start of next year's calendar on the european tour maybe we get the hong kong open on um nearer sooner than that we've got the australian open tennis that's been pushed back three weeks already that was normally i'll be packing my bags next week and heading off to australia to cover the australian open it's going to be really weird this year not only is it three weeks later starting on february the 8th and it's going to be without roger federer who's already declined to go players are going to have to quarantine for two weeks before uh, they're let out in melbourne and and only they're going to spend 19 hours a day in a hotel room how professional athletes are going to uh, cope with that i'm not quite sure you know they're going to be allowed up for five hours to train each day in a in a bubble and um you know that's going to be three weeks late and i'm going to be covering it for afp as i usually do but i'm going to be covering it from here via you know this sort of thing zoom calling uh into we're going to have a virtual media center we're going to be able to do press con you know attend press conferences with the top players from here but it's going to be really weird i'm normally there mm, and, and mm. it's not going to be the same without the atmosphere they're talking about having at least 50 percent crowds at melbourne park there for the first grand slam of the year but you know again it only needs a we saw there was a there was an outbreak in sydney just before christmas which has thrown everything into the air in terms of the third test match and so on um it only takes a, a little spike in cases somewhere in, in Melbourne or Victoria, and that could all go up in the air as well. So I hope I'm talking to you in three weeks for fingers crossed. about the, mm. the, the Australian mm. Open. And uh, uh, But, uh, yeah, fingers crossed indeed. And, and for the other major tennis tournaments, we lost Wimbledon, didn't we, in 2020? Hopefully Wimbledon can go ahead. But you know, there's record number of cases in the UK again at the moment. It's very, very difficult to... This, this sort of winter surge is happening everywhere. We've got it here in Hong Kong and all around the world. So unless uh, these vaccines and and the vaccines, we hope will will work, but they mm. are they are we don't know we don't experimental. Know. They, mm. They've been approved, but we don't know how mm. quickly it's going to mm. they're going to get rolled out and how fast they're going to have an effect. And let's face it, sport is not the priority when lives are being lost. We, sure. we lament. Our sporting events going, but uh, well, fingers crossed for we the rest of with, think, uh, fingers crossed uh, for the rest of 2021, yeah, and uh, hopefully we we'll get some with, decent sport of some kind. Uh, yeah, if we have to live without these events in 2021, but we get back to normal in 2022, and don't forget, we're, we're due to have a Winter Olympics in Beijing in 2022, so we could have two Olympics within six months of each other in Asia, which would be great if we can get them going. Uh, so there could be plenty to look forward to, and fingers crossed there is in 2021, and it's a lot better sporting year than 2020 was uh 
and not as disruptive. That's all I can say. That's my New Year's wish. Happy New Year, Danny. Thank you very much. Happy New Year, James. Have a good weekend of sport. Absolutely. Thank you.